welcome to Woodlawn. We're glad that you've joined us today. Now, during the season of Lent, we've been talking about forgotten virtues. And today we're going to be talking about the forgotten virtue of integrity. There's a new study out that says everyone lies every once in a while. True? You think that's probably true? Yeah, I believe so too. And so what we see is that when people learn to tell small lies, they lead to larger lies. In fact, they've done studies about this, and they can kind of predict what someone's going to do because of it. They got these people to participate in a study. And what they were supposed to do was they were supposed to talk to the person in the next room about how many pennies were in this jar. And as they lied about the number of pennies, they, if they thought that they could convince that person there were more pennies in the jar than there really were in the jar, then what happened was that they would get some kickback, some benefit from it. And so the more they thought they were going to get, the more they lied about it. And so what they discovered is that their lives escalated over time. Now, as lying increased, the response in the brain decreased. In other words, if you or I tell a lie, it bothers us, or it should, right? But if we just keep doing it all the time, then what happens is that it bothers us less and less. We're no longer paying attention. I mean, they literally can watch the brain and see that and realize it. As the size of the decline from one trial to another happens, as a person lies more and more, then they can begin to predict how much more they're going to lie. The findings suggest that the negative emotional signals associated with lying decrease as the brain is desensitized. Now, as one of the researchers said, think about it this way. You buy a new bottle of perfume, you open it up and smell it, and it, it smells really strong. But about a week later, you open it, and it's not quite as strong as it was. And a month later, it's not as strong as it had been. And pretty soon, it, you don't even smell it at all. You don't even notice it. Now, why did I tell you all that? Well, because today, we want to talk about integrity. What is integrity? Integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. Someone has said integrity is what you do when nobody is looking. It's different than your reputation. Your reputation is who other people think you are. Your integrity is who you really are, one way or the other. In Proverbs, it says this, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. I want you to look at a picture of integrity from the Bible. And it's about David. In Psalm 15, he asked this question of God. Who can dwell in the sanctuary of the Lord? Now, what's he really asking? He's saying, Lord, who can live in your presence? Who can be with you? Who can spend time with you? And God basically answers and simply says, the person who has integrity. In other words, let your talk and your walk match up. And so he who lives a life of integrity, the Bible says, will never be shaken. In other words, their faith will be firm in God. Now, there are four benefits of integrity I'd like to share. First, when you have integrity, you walk closely with God. David said, who can dwell in the sanctuary of God? And God responds, he who has integrity. I like to think of it this way. 
We have two children. As we were raising them, we taught them Christian values, the values that we were taught, that we learned from our parents, that we practiced in our family. Well, as a result of that, we said, now, if you'll practice these values, we'll have a whole lot in common. You see, what we're going to do is we're going to have more intimacy and more fellowship because we believe the same things. But what if my kids or your kids say, well, forget you. <laughs> I don't care anything about your values. I'm going to do what I want to do. And, you know, I'm still going to love my kids, but we're not going to be as close. We're not going to be as intimate. We're not going to have as rich a communion. We're not going to have as close a fellowship as we could have if we shared those same values. Well, the same is true with God. God wants you and me to share His values. He's our Heavenly Father. He wants us to spend time with Him, to know Him. He wants us to be like Him so that others might see Him in us. Now, second, you have a built-in guide when you have integrity. The Bible says that the integrity of the upright guides him. In other words, I know what to do because I have integrity. I know what to do because I've been taught in God's Word, and I know what to practice. You see, if I do the thing that I'm supposed to do, then I'll be following God, and if I do the thing I'm not supposed to do, I won't be. There's no gray area here. It's either right or it's wrong. There's no in-between. So you, what you have to do is realize, hey, I've got to make a decision. If I'm going to be a person of integrity, I have to be a person of integrity all the time, not just some of the time. And then third, you have a constant peace in your heart. When I put my head on the pillow at night, I don't have to think to myself, I sure do hope they don't find out about that. <laughs> I sure hope I don't get caught. What if my boss finds out what I've done? Well, I don't know what could happen to me. I I'm really concerned. You know, you can have peace if you're not living that way. There is no fear of getting caught because you're not worried about being discovered. The flip side of that is I don't know anybody who stays up late at night thinking this. I sure do hope they don't find out what I did right. Because <laughs> that's just not the way it works, is it? And then fourth, you can gain trust and respect and honor and influence when you have integrity. If you want to be great with your children, be a parent of integrity. If you want to be a great leader in your family, be a husband, be a man of integrity. If you want to influence the business community, then be a person of your word. You know, if you tell somebody, I'm going to meet you at this time, meet them at that time. If you tell somebody, I'm going to do this, do it. If you make a deal and shake hands on it, follow through on that deal. Do the right thing. Be the right person. And so when you have integrity, people will follow you, and they will honor you, and they will listen to you. They'll pay attention. They'll seek your wisdom and advice because they see that what they see is what they get. You really are a true person. What would you say is the opposite of integrity? Well, it's what the world accuses Christians of all the time. And that is, the opposite is being a hypocrite. Now, years ago in the Greek culture, they used to do the Greek plays, the Greek dramas. And they had these masks and they had little sticks. And they would hold up a mask and they would play one character and they would have that mask in front of them. They didn't have enough actors to go around, so they all had a lot of different sticks and a lot of different masks. When they played a different character, they'd turn and put on a different mask. They were pretending to be something 
They were not. They were just acting out a Greek drama. It's a mask. It's not really who I am. It's who I'm pretending to be. Now, we said all of us have hypocrisy at some points in our lives, and God hates hypocrisy. In fact, God was harder on hypocrisy and hypocrites than he was on prostitutes and adulterers. In Matthew, it says, Jesus looked at the hypocrites and said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, he said. You hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but on the inside you're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees. In other words, he said, you look good on the outside, but on the inside you're filthy. You, people may not know what's going on with you, but I can see it. You lack integrity. You look righteous, but you're really not. And so he said, first, you've got to go back and you've got to deal with the inside and make sure it's right before the outside will match up with what's inside. Integrity doesn't start from the outside in. It starts from the inside out. So let me ask you a question. How much is your integrity worth? For example, let me say you lie on a resume. We've heard about people doing that in recent years. Lied on a resume. A coach didn't get the job because they found he lied on a resume. It happens in a lot of different places. Could be in all kinds of places. Well, your integrity is whatever that job was going to pay you. That's what it was worth to you because you lied about it. I'm willing to trade my integri integrity for some kind of benefit that I might get monetarily. Many would say it's worth a lot less. Maybe you've embezzled something from work. Let's say you took home a ream of paper for your computer. A ream of paper is how much your integrity is worth. Well, that's not a good trade, is it? That's what you're saying by your actions. Or maybe you falsified an expense report. You said that you spent this much when really you didn't spend quite that much. And you're thinking, well, that's how much my integrity is worth if I'm willing to trade it for that. But let's say you're married and your finances are tight. So you go out and you buy an outfit and you hide it for a while. One lady said, what I do is I buy an outfit and I hide it for two months. And then I put it on and when my husband says, is that new? He said, she says, no, 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 I've had this for months. Some of y'all are thinking, that sounds like a pretty good idea, I can tell. No, that's not the truth. That's not a good idea. That's how much your integrity would be worth. Some of you might be in business, and maybe you occasionally overbill someone else because you know the client can afford it, or you cut corners along the way as a result. Maybe you just talk to your friends, and you exaggerate a story just to be liked. Maybe you're a student and you want to get good grades and you want to go to graduate school and so you cheat on an exam or maybe you cheat on a paper and that's what your integrity is worth. What is your integrity worth? There's a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Job. Let me tell you his story in case you don't know it. Lucifer or Satan was criticizing God's people and he said, you know, the only reason they love you is because you're good to them. If you weren't so good to them, they wouldn't love you so much. And God said, no, that's not true at all. And Satan says, well, you show me one who really is a person of integrity and, and let me deal with him. And God said, well, there is this one guy named Job. And you, can, you can't kill him, but you can take away things from him and we'll see what he does. 
So Satan says, give me a shot at him, and God says, okay. So Satan strips Job of all the things that are around him, the things that we would classify as very important. Finally, his wife turns on him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? Boy, she was a big help, wasn't she? Wouldn't you like to be married to somebody like that? His friends say, you know you've done something wrong. Why don't you just go ahead and fess up and tell the truth about it, and let's get on with this. Here's what Job says. I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. In other words, if I told you that I did something wrong when I didn't do something wrong, then my conscience would bother me for the rest of my life because I lied about doing something wrong. And so I'm not going to do that, right? My integrity, he said, is worth everything to me. Let me ask you a question. What's your integrity worth? What do you do when you recognize you lack integrity? Well, here's some things you can do. First, you know that Jesus truly, you can get to know him. Not just from a distance, but you can get to know him personally. You can study about him. You can meet him. You can have a relationship with him. Because you can never live a life of integrity on your own. You're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. You're going to need God working in your life in order for that to occur. You need to truly get to know him and live with him. I would suggest that you apologize to those around you, those closest to you, those that maybe you've been a hypocrite in front of. You know what? For the last however many years, I've not been true. I've lived a life of hypocrisy. I've been a play actor, and I want to ask you to forgive me. Ask yourself for forgiveness, and then begin to see that people may not trust you initially, but they will over time as you begin to rebuild a relationship with them. And then you start, simply start doing what Jesus said in Matthew. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Sometimes we have a hard time making decisions, don't we? Harry Truman used to say, give me a one-armed economist because he'd say, well, on the one hand and on the other hand. and I, He said, just make a decision. Even if it's wrong, let's do something. And you've got to make a decision. You become a person of your word as Christ lives through you. And what happens is your behavior lines up with your beliefs. You will have peace and gain honor and trust and respect and influence from those around you. Take off the mask and be real and let God work. Now, many of you probably know that my dad died this past fall. He was 85 years old. He died in October. And as I think about my dad, all my adult life, I watched him growing up. I, he was in his early 20s when I was born, and so I, I knew him for a long time. And, you know, he was a person that was always a man of integrity. I believed my dad. If my dad told me something, I knew it was true. If he said he was going to do something, he did it. He was a person that I respected and appreciated. He was the same person every time I would go back to see him. You knew what you were going to get with him. You knew what to expect. He didn't have a lot of highs and lows. He was just very, very consistent. And, you know, his example to me and his witness to me was a benefit to me. Now, I'm 63. He died at 85. And I hope by the time I'm his age to be a person of integrity like him. 
because I'm spending my lifetime trying to learn how to do that. And sometimes I fail. And sometimes I'm not the person I want to be. Sometimes I'm not the person I need to be. But with God's help, I can start over. I can ask for forgiveness. I can turn back to Him. I can ask somebody else for forgiveness if I need to. And I can get things worked out the right way. When you have integrity, that's all that really matters. And when you don't have integrity, that's all that really matters too. If you want to have a good marriage or be a good parent or be a good friend, you're going to need integrity because it really matters. We live in a life that needs to exhibit integrity under the Lordship of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit to line up our beliefs with our behavior. God's Word can help us. He can help us. And we can be the people of integrity that we want to be, that He wants us to be, and that other people need us to be. You know, we've been talking about the coronavirus. With the coronavirus, it's interesting. I saw a young person say, I'm going to the beach, and if I get the coronavirus, I get it. And if I don't, I don't. But you see, it doesn't just affect me, does it? I might be fine, but it might affect somebody else. And so we can't think just about ourselves. We have to think about everyone, right? Because it's together. That's the way we'll get past this and get through it. And so I pray that you and I might just grow and that characteristic during this Lenten season of integrity. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you for who you are. You are the example. You're always the same. You're very consistent. Lord, there's so much about you that we're just in awe. And I pray that we might be people who please you. I pray that we might be people who look like you, that when other people see us, they see you in us. I pray, Lord, that, that we might please you. I pray that we might have a hunger and a desire in our hearts to be all that you want us to be. Lord, we'll spend our whole lifetime growing closer to you. We're never going to be satisfied. It's never over. It just continues and continues and continues on. And so, Lord, we're encouraged. We're inspired. We're uplifted to be the people that you want us to be, that you've called us to be, that are an example to those around us. And Lord, when we do that, we'll give you all the glory and all the praise and all the honor, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us in worship today. We know it's a little different than the way we normally have Sunday services, but whether we are gathered in one room together or watching on a phone from our living rooms, we are still the church. Location doesn't define us. Our commitment to Christ and to one another does. No matter what changes around us, that never will. We want to leave you with some good information to keep in mind as we wrap up today. First, you still have the opportunity to continue your regular giving. Although we are not meeting in person, the Lord still calls us to faithfulness in this area. People will need help in the days ahead, and we want to be prepared to offer that assistance. Your regular giving will go a long way to allow ministries to continue happening locally and around the world. There are several methods for you to give, even though we aren't gathering on Sundays. First, to give online by credit card or bank draft, 
please visit woodlawnpcb.info giving or text give to 813-644-8622 or third, mail checks payable to Woodlawn UMC to the church office. All this information can be found on our giving page. Second, it is such a joy to pray for one another during this time. If you have prayer needs, please head to the link below to submit prayer requests and to let us know what needs you may have. Lastly, we want to know that you've tuned in with us today. You can fill out a digital connection card that will help us know who you are and how to serve you best. There is also a section there to let us know if you've made a commitment to Jesus today or if you have questions about how to come to know Him. Our team will be standing ready, so please don't hesitate to reach out. We can't wait to connect with you. Blessings on you today and in the days ahead. See you next time.